and uh, worship the Lord together. Sing your love. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain. Your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfires. Singing your name. Let's sing that again. Your love. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. Your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfire, singing your name. Sing it out, God of mercy, God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered.
God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your design. Sing that again, God of mercy. God of mercy, sweet love of mine. See, I will surrender. I will surrender to your design. God of mercy, God of mercy, sweet love of mine. I will, I will surrender to your design. May this offering stretch across the skies These hallelujahs be multiplied So I open up I open up to you This love that makes me new Oh, may my heart receive This love that carries me Sing, I open up I open up to you This love that makes me new Oh, may my heart receive This love that carries me From the head to the heart To take me on a journey Of letting go lost in you from the head to the heart to take me on a journey of letting go get lost in you oh. my heart is open wide my heart is open wide I will receive your light You give me faith like a child In you my heart runs wild From the head to From the head to the heart, from the head to the heart, take me on a journey, let him go, get lost in, there's no shame, there's no shame, looking like 
More than words, more than good ideas I found your love in the open fields More than words, more than good ideas I found your love in the open fields more than words, more than good ideas I found your love in the open More than words, more than words, more than good ideas I found your love in the open God, we know that you are in this place today. God, I pray that you would just penetrate our hearts with your truth. And make that 18-inch journey from the head to the heart. And God, we don't want to be superficial today. We want to be authentic believers of you, authentic children in relationship with you, God. We cling to nothing else, to no one else. We cling to you, we choose you today. sing this first verse again and, and ask the Lord to open our hearts and to receive what he has for us today. I open up. I open up to you This love that makes me new Oh may my This love that carries me. Sing that again. I open up. I open up to you. This love that makes me new. Oh, may my heart be seen. 
seated. All right, good morning, church. Good to see you all this morning. Got a bunch of things going on this week, so let me uh, get you up to date with some announcements. Um, first of all, I want to mention for the ladies in the room, we've got the women's tabletop Bible study group meeting tomorrow night at 645 here at the church. Feel free to join, even if you've never come before. It's kind of one of those drop-in sessions. You can come all the time or come when it works for you. So tomorrow night, uh, 645. We also have Heather Shull's memorial service this coming Saturday, which is April 1st. It'll be here at the church at 1230. Uh, so if you knew Heather and you know the family, please be sure to join us for that. And also, both kids and adults, those of you that were connected with Heather, um, know her love for the Sunday school. She taught down there for years. And so we have organized kind of a, a, another kind of memorial for her that's going to be used at the memorial service. So they're making flowers for her, kind of craft flowers down in the basement. So right after the service, feel free to go down to the basement. Kids, you'll be probably doing this during Sunday school, but um, for the rest of you that would like to make a flower for Heather, just go downstairs to the new basement right below us uh, right after the service, and you can do that. This will be the last time um, for that. And then next Sunday, we have our monthly potluck. So it's the first Sunday of the month. So next Sunday, right after the service, we'll have a big potluck. A to J, if your last name starts with A to J, bring a main dish. If it's K to Z, bring a side or salad. And be sure to stick around for that. It's a great way to connect um, with other people in the church. And then I also want to mention, um, in about two weeks, on Saturday, April 8th, we're going to have our first church work day of the spring. So we'll be doing starting to get to kind of the landscaping. We've got a lot of work to do out here. So everyone's welcome, all ages, all skill levels. So please join us for that on April 8th at 830 um, and then I also want to mention we've got printed sermon outlines in the back. You can also get the sermon outline on the YouVersion Bible app. And all of these announcements, all these dates, I know there's a lot going on, but it's all available on the website and on the Bible app. So we are going to go ahead and dismiss kids now. So kids can get up, go out to the lobby for Sunday school. Youth group is meeting today. So youth group kids can go next door to the coffee shop. And the rest of you can just spend a few minutes saying hi to one another.
Good morning. Make your way back to your seats, that'd be great. We'll get started. Good morning, good to see you all. comes to a close. Nice. Well, good to see everyone. Welcome. It's uh, fun to continue to journey together in Romans as we're doing here. And uh, so we're going to pick up in Romans chapter 2, verse 25, where Sean left, left off last week. And uh, keep rolling through here. Why don't you join me in a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll just prepare our hearts and dive in here. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to just journey through your word and to journey through the principles of your word, God, and just allow you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us and teach us and guide us and comfort us and lead us in the way you want us to go. And Lord, as we dig in here this morning, we ask you to be our teacher you to be the one to spur us and uh, challenge us and speak into our hearts as we go through this process. And Lord, we love you and we give you this day. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. So we're going to talk about the topic of serving from the heart and this idea of really the motive behind our service and understanding like what motivates our good deeds, what motivates the things that we do out of a, I'm a follower of Jesus, so it changes how I live. It impacts how I walk out my life. It impacts what my action is day in and day out. But as most of we all know, actions oftentimes can be motivated by different things. And outward expressions of our faith can be motivated by different things. And oftentimes our background and how we came to this place of faith through whether it's you um, like myself you know I cut my teeth on the back of a pew I was in church three days a week um, all as a child just I, that's all I knew was was being in the church up in Cold Creek where my family lived and so how I came about and 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 had to wrestle with authentic faith and serving God with the right motives and the right uh, agenda is very different than someone who as an adult has an encounter with Jesus and comes to him and has to wrestle through now what do I do I've been living my life not in the context of faith not in the context of Christianity not in the context of a church and those two approaches are going to be very different in and that but the motive of why we serve and why we come to God still all comes back to the the heart and that's where we're going to go and that's what I believe 
uh, Paul is addressing. And thinking through, you know, the context of Romans, we've been talking about this a lot as we've been going through it, this, you know, righteousness and right living that, that happens through Jesus Christ, that it's through the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection that is that we, we have this opportunity to believe in a God who sent his only son into this world to die for us, to take our sins away, to remove shame, to re be forgiven so we could live right with the right motive, the right agenda, the right purpose to follow him. Now, Paul, as the author, though, is really interesting here because I think this is a, a place we kind of need to pull back before we go into this passage and remember who Paul is. So, because Paul that we know that's writing to the church in Rome right here in the book of Romans is not the Paul you would have met years prior to that. In fact, it wasn't even his name. He was going by Saul then. And the name Saul really means, if you look up the definition, it means one who questions and is in demand all the time. He's a one in demand. He was, he was seen as that authority figure, that one that was always questioning everyone. And then we also know that he became, he was a very religious Israelite. He was a very religious Jewish man who, when Jesus came onto the scene and his followers started following him, all these people started listening to Jesus, he was like, uh-uh, this is not good. This is not following the, the Jewish-Israelite customs. Jesus is breaking all the molds. And he began to persecute Christians. We see him persecuting and, and coming after Christians, all those who are following Christ. We see him, one of the ones that I think... If you, you follow the life of Stephen, he was stoned for his faith for following Jesus. And, it, and the last thing that was said right before Stephen was stoned was that Saul gave his approval. And then right after this, something very unique happened in Saul's life. He was on the road to Damascus to do the same darn thing. And that was persecute Christians and those he heard about in Damascus that were following Jesus. And those of you who have read the story, you know what happened. He was blinded, knocked off his horse, and met by Jesus Christ himself. And he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He was questioned hard. And we begin to see something happen in Saul's life. And later on, as you get to about chapter, this is a chapter 9 of Acts, you get to about chapter 13, you start, he, now they're calling him Paul. This transformation starts to happen in his heart, and he's blinded for three days. He goes to, and he meets a man by the name of Ananias. Ananias comes to him, the scales fall out of his eyes, he can see, and he realizes he's been met by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he realizes one he's persecuting is now the one he's going to devote the rest of his life to. And he's going to turn over his life. And so here you have this religious man, this, this very knowledgeable religious man that persecuted Christians, transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit, meets Jesus, becomes Paul. The name Paul means the, the meek, mild one. It was a complete transformation of his life. A complete different he was now meek, mild, small, humble in his approach. And that's the approach with which the author, Paul, is writing to Romans. And so when we wrestle with the motivation of the heart and why we do what we do and, 
and what's religious and not religious and what's motivated for the right reasons and wrong reasons, all these questions. I think Paul's a great one to be writing this to us because he's seen the religiosity and the craziness of that side of the story and then he's seen this place where he had to encounter himself in complete weakness and a need for a savior. I think oftentimes our stories you know, really lend power to a message. It's like if we were going to uh, give, a, give a dialogue on um, basketball, per se, this morning. You're going to want someone coming and talking about it that understands. If, if you have a professional basketball player show up and talk to you this morning, they're going to have a whole lot more to tell you than someone that's just maybe shot, shot around in the playground a little bit. So, it, you know, experience has so much to lend to this place of understanding in our lives. And sometimes, the t you know, the profession of our faith does not always align with our actions. And that's, if you read the email blurb this week, that was the question I, I really asked you to wrestle with a little bit. And if you didn't, it's fine. Just think about it now. When were times in your life where your profession of your faith didn't line up with your actions and what kind of impact did that have in your story I think we can all think back at places in our story where we were wrestling and it didn't align and we had to figure out what was that all about and this is a, a quote most of you have probably heard this from Brennan Manning he wrote the ragamuffin gospel I think in 1990 great book if you haven't read it and he wrestles with this thought the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. What a statement. That statement has made it probably in thousands and thousands and thousands of sermons since he wrote that. Because it's so true. It's so true that this is what leads people astray in so many ways. And it is what also taints our faith. It taints us when we find ourselves in this place. And if any of us think we haven't found ourselves in this place, we're, we're, we're tricking ourselves. We've all done it. We've all professed one thing with our lips. We've believed something so deeply and then made willful choices to live different and not align those two things. And I think that's the challenge Paul is wrestling with. I think as a young man when I was growing up in the church, and it was really easy for me just to kind of play the part and do my thing. And as I became a teenager, there was this other gentleman in our church, and he'd always come to me and he'd say, hey, Dan, are you doing any good? And I would kind of answer his question really, like, directly at the beginning. I would say, yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. Doing great, man. Things are going good. Been making it to basketball practice every day. Things are well, you know, getting along with my parents. And every week, Dan, you doing any good? And I knew what he was asking me, and I didn't want to answer his question. He was just saying, he was really asking me, is your faith aligning with your actions? Exactly what he was saying. He knew, he had dug into my life enough, he was a youth leader at the time, that I knew he was, he was digging deeper, and he's like, I don't you're aligning here. I think you're living this way over here, and then when you come to church, you're living this way, and you're not aligning as a young man that's supposed to be following Jesus. But he was so kind to me. His name was Greg. I'll never forget Greg, and someday in heaven I'll be able to thank him, I think, but 
um, it was really one of those things where he was wrestling where the spirit was wrestling inside of me, where I knew what was right, but I wasn't living it. And I think there's that, that's a tension that happens in our lives. Paul is going to come and start talking to us about this idea of circumcision in this passage. This cutting away, this setting apart. You know, physical circumcision was a mark on the Israelite that said, I belong to God. It was a very vulnerable. I mean, I even think of, you know, when they led the children of Israel into the promised land and the men were all circumcised after they crossed, you know, and I think, like... It, Talk about vulnerability. Talk about the, the, just something so intense. But it was this sense of this picture of what it means to be cut away the flesh and be dedicated and set apart to God. And then we see throughout the scriptures, and we see it also here in this passage that we're going to look at, that it's also circumcision of the heart that indicated for Israel what, what true transformation was. Loving God fully, both inside and outside. And I think this idea of circumcision, circumcision is really one of those outward expressions that Paul is wrestling with. And again, he understands it. He grew up in this. And now he's dealing with, he was called by God, by Jesus in Acts 9. He says, I want you to go to the Gentiles, their kings, and the Israelites. Those are the three people God called him to. And he, when he was going, he had context of all of those. Least context of a Gentile, and that's anyone who was not a Jew. And he's invited into them, and he's, he's trying to help them reconcile, because he had the Jews saying, hey, I'm circumcised, I've been raised in this religion, I'm good. He had the Gentiles over here saying, I'm not circumcised, I'm not raised in this religion, but I'm good because of Jesus. And he's trying to align these both together and say, hey, one's outward, one's inward, but in the end, it all needs to be inward. It's all about our full dedication to God. And that's the context with which we're coming to this passage. Let me read this to us. Romans 2, 25 through 29 says this, Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you have not been circumcised. So then, if those of you who are circumcised keep the law's requirement, will they not regard it as though you were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you, are, you, know, you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. And here's the key right here. He says, no, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. So see the wrestle there? Circumcision, not circumcision, all these things. And like, okay, well, you, you can act as if you're circumcised and not be. You can be circumcised and act like you're not circumcised. So it's all, and you can almost take that word Jew and you can put like Christian non-Christian you could wrestle with it kind of in today's culture outside of the Jewish culture even and say yeah that person over there man they just live so good they live so good they must be a Christian or this person over here boy they're just living like hell bent 
But then you hear their story, and there's a place where they surrender their life to Christ. So it, it's really a wrestle that I think all human beings have to go through. I remember uh, riding in a cop car several years ago, talking to an officer, and he said something really interesting to me. He says, you know, Dan, I've lived my whole life by the law. And I thought he was going into a religious conversation. He wasn't. He was talking about the law of the government here. And he was saying, I've just, I've, I've tried to do my, do the best and live right my whole life. I never was that kid that rebelled. My dad worked in the White House and he had this prestigious role and I always looked at him and I looked up to him. I thought he just is a good man and he lives so well. I'm going to do the same. And he said, I just have lived my whole life well. And he said, it wasn't till I was in my late 20s that I was, he said, I was sitting over here. A friend invited me over to Faith Bible Chapel over here off of Ward Road. He said, I was sitting there and all of a sudden it hit me. All of that right living meant nothing. And that if I were to go out and get shot today on the job, I would not be in the presence of God. And it was super interesting because I could see the Spirit of God just speaking in him and he was talking it. And I, and I thought, wow. And then he said this to me and I'll never forget. He said, so it's really important that we just don't tell people what to do, what the right thing is to do, but we teach them why. Because you don't want people to do what's good because you told them what to do is good without knowing why behind it. And that's that motivation. I think that's what Paul is wrestling with here. It's not just right and wrong, but what's the motive of the heart? What does God want to do? What does the outward expression lead to? So outward expressions of our faith have less value unless, one, they're motivated from the heart. And two, unless it's purposely about our growth maturity for the desire out of obedience to grow with him. There's so many things we do that others looking on that maybe have no church background whatsoever that wouldn't even think of showing up here on a Sunday morning would look and say, okay, so you guys go to this thing called a worship service with a bunch of people weekly. You pray sometimes with those people and you actually open your mouths and pray out loud with one another. You do this thing called communion where you take wine and bread and you eat it. You do this kind of thing. You do these things where it's called baptism, whether you're sprinkled or you're dunked or all this stuff. Like you do all these things. Oh, I can't come tonight. I'm going to my group Bible study. So you do all these things. But the motive behind the heart, I think, is what the, the point is here. That our outward expression of our faith have value, have less value unless it's motivated from the heart and it's about growth and maturity. And I think that's a good question to ask, especially from, for you that are, that uh, you've been raised in the church, you've been around it your whole life. It's easy to start going through the motions. It's easy to just start doing what I do because this is what we do. And some of it is good. It's, I'm not saying it's bad that we do what we do, but I think it's great every once in a while to stop and just challenge our motivation why we do what we do. I think it's important to understand, is it about our growth and maturity? Are we doing it to grow in our relationship with God and others? Or is it out of routine because it seems like the right thing to do?
Next thing here is outward expressions of our faith do not always indicate a, fully, a heart fully yielded to God. And we see that in here when he's wrestling back and forth. Where, you know, you might not be circumcised, but you're living this way, and people are going to say, you're, you're one that follows God. Or maybe you are circumcised, and you're a Jew, and you're following God, but in the end, people will be like, you're not living like that. So it's confusing, and that's what Paul's addressing. So right living does not always mean... It is the right, for the right reason. It might be through, for the praise of people. And I think that's something we've got to be careful of. That right living does not always mean it is for the right reason, though it is praised by people. Second here, right living can also set one up to judge others, judge those who are falling short. Do you feel like, just a question, do you feel like you need to stand as a judge of people, and why? Could this be a false sense of security to make you feel better and more accepted by God? That's something to wrestle with. It really is. If you find yourself always in kind of a, a judgy place in your head where you're looking at other believers and you're kind of like, hmm, I wonder why they're doing that. I wonder why they live in that way. And you just kind of find yourself always living in that. There's a question you need to ask there. Why? Why are you in that place? Why are you in that place versus in the place of helping people grow and, and encouraging and lifting up and building up? Is that running in there because somehow subconsciously, deep down, if you keep that judgment and you kind of keep that eye on other people, it helps you feel better about your journey of faith with God. It helps you feel more accepted by God. And I think, again, our backgrounds can feed this stuff. If you had to live in a place where it was all about performance and your parents would not accept you based on your performance or not, if you did, never, did not feel loved just because you were you, you can move just subtly into this place in your faith with God where you're, you're judging others because deep down you want to be accepted by God. So if you can put others a little bit farther away mentally, then you'll be, feel more accepted by God internally. See, there's a wrestle, and I think... These are the deep things that, the deep backgrounds that Paul is wrestling with, and I think it's something we should wrestle with too. And then the fact that if you were born into a Christian or religious family does not indicate transformation. And I'm definitely a testament to that. I, I went 18 years of my life with no transformation. I was just doing the things. There was moments I can look back at Sunday school moments where I had good connections with God, where I remember certain things Sunday school teachers said, things that happened for me at that point. But it wasn't until I got to a place when I was 18 years old and moved out of my home and went to college that I felt a complete transformation of my heart. And really that heart transformation comes when you start understanding that like, oh my gosh, this is so foreign. Did you know, you know, to follow Jesus, and I would assume most of you have experienced this, it, sometimes you, you're feeling led to do things that just seem so foreign. To love someone that's treated you wrong. To go and let, set yourself down and your agenda down to serve someone else's agenda. To care about others. I grew up a very selfish young man, and I remember when that started to change I've told this story, but I remember I walked out of art college. I was going to graphic design school at the time, and I walked out, and I was walking down Evans Avenue, and I had this transformation happening inside my soul. 
and I walked next to a McDonald's, and it was back in the day they had you know the the glass atriums, and it wasn't where the play structures were. As before the play structures, that dates me there. But you're like, there, there used to be a time that McDonald's didn't have play structures. Yes. But I walked back and I saw it was probably like 10, 11 in the morning, and it was a lot of retired people sitting in there. I could tell because, you know, they were older. And I looked over there and I felt this compassion, this deep, deep compassion in my heart. And I was like, wow, I just love these people. And I remember thinking how odd this is because I don't know them. And I don't care a bean about them. Like, I, why, why do I feel such love for these strangers as I'm walking down the street? And I knew something was happening inside of me. I knew God was transforming something in the heart that was so foreign, that was so backwards. Isn't that how he works, though? That's when you know transformation is really happening. And just because we're raised in a religious or Christian setting doesn't mean that just happens because it happens. Paul starts to really unpack that at the very end of this passage in verse 29 where he talks about this inward journey. It's an inward journey before it's an outward expression. That's the purpose here. He's trying to say there's an inward thing that needs to happen in every one of you. This is not something that's done by the law, by the written law. He says it's not by the code of the law here, but it's by the work of the Spirit. It's an inward thing that comes out. It's the Spirit of God who performs the transformation, not the written law. And then... I think a good litmus test of that is who do we care gets the credit? Does God get the credit or do people get the credit or do we get the credit for the things we do and the work we, we perform? When we're following him and doing his thing, are we doing it because we want men to pat us on the back or are we doing it because we want God deep down to say, this is my plan for you, thank you. You've blessed me today. Thank you for being my servant and just following me today. That's what he's saying here. This is a work that has, means we have to be yielded to the Spirit of God. If we're wrestle, we find ourselves in those wrestles, and don't think we won't find ourselves in those wrestles. We will. You'll, do, you'll feel like you're in a great season where you're just in step with God. Then you'll be in a season where you're not. And then you're wrestling with do I feel good about where I'm at right now? And there's that, that sense of coming back to the basics and remembering the gospel and remembering why we do what we do. Surrendering our own ego and our own thinking to say, God, what's your plan for my life? And I think a good practice that I've wrestled with for years, I'll never forget, I was reading a book by John Maxwell back in the day. He was a pastor that kind of got into leadership writing. I, I was reading one of his books years and years and years ago. And he, he shared this kind of process that he went through where he just like, every night before I go to bed, I just try to lay on the pillow and just say, how do we do, God? How was the day? How, how did it look today for us in our relationship? And I've tried to practice that as much as I can remember, just to lay there and think, how was today? As I'm falling asleep, and God, is there anything? And there's times where you just, you feel this sense of, just peace, and you just fall asleep, and you're just like, ah, what a great day. And then there's times you feel this sense of, I'll feel this sense of like, ah, man, I could have lived this day better. 
I live this day for Dan instead of Jesus. And there's some forgiveness that needs to be asked and some confession that needs to happen and that, just that sense of, God, let's get this right. And I think it's, it's, it's like any relationship. You've got you to gotta come back to the core and, and rebuild and get things right and get things back on the playing field. It doesn't mean God's slapping you like, I don't want to be around you. He's, he's right there. He's right there loving. And he's just, make it right. Just take, take that forgiveness and put it in its right place and get it out of the way and, and rebuild that relationship. And I think that's the key here. I think that's the, the wrestle and that's that, I, I love how this passage kind of ends with that. Of just, in the end, is it about God or people praising you? I think that's really where the transformation of the heart is really reflected well. So in application today, just a couple challenges for you. And really, it's just some questions for you to ask and um, wrestle with a little bit this week. Uh, check your alignment between the, your profession of your faith and your actions, do they line up? Some of you sitting here, you're like, you're, you're going to be like, man, I, no, they've been, these have been out of line for a long time, and I want to, uh, it's time to get them all lined up. I, I feel way off track, and I've been there. I understand that, too. Some of you might just be, no, I, I, I've kind of veered, and, and I know what I believe, and I know the relationship I have with God, but I'm just not living it. I'm just kind of staying just to the right side and around the corner here. And he just, just ask, is, is there some alignment that needs to happen? And, and the beauty of alignment is, this, is the same beauty of the gospel. It's really just a transfer your trust back to him. Asking forgiveness, just saying, hey, uh, God, I just need your help. I can't do it alone. I need you, Holy Spirit. You're the one that does that inward work for me and realigns me. And then really checking... Again, are there religious things you are doing out of obligation to please others versus a response from the heart towards God? I think it's a great question. It's easy not to ask that question if you are just, you've been doing the same thing for a long time. But I think it's great to stop and say, is there anything in my journey that I'm just, I'm really only doing for people? I'll be honest, I've lived years that way. When I was a young pastor, I was doing my good pastoral duties for my boss. It was not for God. And I really was looking for his affirmation the whole time. That's point blank. And there would be times I remember I have to go into the office and ask him questions just to get some affirmation so I feel good about myself. And I think about that, and I think that's, it's, it's really easy to get into those places and feel good about it. I didn't feel bad about it. I didn't feel like I was making a wrong choice. I feel like I was doing it and making right choices. So it's easy to get that, kind of put that deception in the wrong place and be like, I'm looking for people's praise versus God's. And it's easy for any one of us to slip into that in little areas of our lives. So really challenging yourself. Where am I living authentically and just, just for God's praise? At the end of the day, does it matter what he thinks or what others think? And that doesn't mean we don't do things to, to be a blessing to others. That's, that's not the, what I'm trying to say here. I'm just saying, in the end, well, whose opinion matters most? People's or God's? I think that's really the key. So I hope that passage is it's short, it's sweet. You see the wrestle in there. I hope it helps you in your wrestle. Uh, I think all of us have that. I think we all 
have that in our lives where we have to ask those questions and, and wrestle through life. And I, th I think it's, uh, Paul gives us some good, good insight here. So let me pray for us. Let's get back into some time of worship. We'll go from there. Heavenly Father, I thank you for just being so kind and gracious and patient with us as we journey through this life. I thank you for the scriptures that just remind us that um, we're all people in need of a Savior. That based on our upbringing or whatever, God, you love us. You just really love us, and thank you for that. And you've accepted us and brought us into your family. So, Lord, help us walk with uh, just a greater awareness of our hearts, of our motives there's areas that feel clunky, I pray, God, you would just help us uh, fine-tune and step in rhythm with your spirit. So, Lord, we love you, and we give you this day, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. together we've sung this song uh, that we're going to sing a few times here we normally just sing the chorus which I think is good but uh, this verse came out of this place where um, where I, I really wanted to say Lord I love you I wanted to say Lord, I need you. I wanted to say I long for you. I'm desperate for you. But in reality, I didn't feel those things. I didn't feel desperate for the Lord. And uh, I was disturbed by that and being a believer and growing up a Christian and then later in life, uh, really accepting the truth of the Lord for myself and but I still felt this. I, I, I wanted to feel more. I wanted it to come from my heart and not just going through the motions. And, um, my friend Mark uh, shared with me, reminded me of the scripture, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And uh, I've always seen that as, okay, yeah, let's... Uh, Give the Lord time, give the Lord what he deserves, and um, my heart will follow. But when he said it, I think the Lord spoke through him, and, and, and it's, a, it's a biconditional statement, which means that where your heart is, that's what you're going to treasure. And uh, so it's, it's a battle, like this back and forth, you know, trying to get motion on a skateboard is what comes to mind, is just trying to go side to side to move forward a little bit. Um, because you can't have one without the other, and you can't have the other without the one. And, and so only the Lord can remedy that. And uh, But we can come to him, whether it's from the heart or just going through the motions like Dan said, that's not always bad, and sometimes we need to just pray that 
our heart's going to follow those motions. So as we sing this, um, let's just surrender to the Lord. Ask him to find his way inside of our heart and to reveal the things that we're holding on to, the things that we're treasuring. What do we look forward to every day?
come have your way come have your way inside my heart and I release all I hold on to so freely so Jesus I surrender Jesus Jesus I surrender come have your way Come have your way inside my heart. I release all I hold on to. So free me now. things, those treasures that we hold above you, in my 
the Give me Jesus, let all else fade away. Satisfied, you're the only one I'll ever need. Holy fire, burn. If you're not in it, if you're not in it, then we 
each other and encourage our souls this morning as we sing this.
we stand and we'll close with this song together. Hey.
God, that's our desire. That's our prayer is that our actions would be at the impulse of your love. The only thing that we can do because of the fire that you've put in our hearts, God, that we can't keep inside. I pray that our life would just be a spring that's just bursting out of us, God, that we can't hold in. So God, help us to choose you every day, every morning when we wake up. Help us to put our treasure in you, to put our heart where it belongs, in your hands, God. So take our lives this morning, today, this week, be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.